Hey, this is Eric from Catching Light. Hey, this is Hemp. Hey, this is Glenn. Hi, I'm Steve-O. Hey, this is Drew Hines with Hindsight Imagery. This is Matt Callahan and DigiMatty Photographic Services. Hey, this is Jason, and welcome to Tales from the Pit. Hello and welcome to Tales from the Pit, the behind-the-lens access for concerts and photography. Today, we welcome back Helen, and this time she brought two of her photographer friends, both Karika and Sancha. Uh, how are you guys doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So to get started, I mean, we've, we've kind of already got a little bit of a history with Helen. Can you guys tell us about your background, how you got into photography, or sort of your history as, or, or, or to that uh, up to this point, sort of? Um, okay. Um, I actually went to co college and I studied um, communications at Howard University. I didn't finish getting my degree there, but I did take photography classes there. And that was like my, I mean, with the whole dark moon and everything. I'm old. But anyway, <laughs> um, so chemicals and everything. Um, yeah. And that's what made me be like, wow, this is really cool. And when I got back home in Brooklyn, um, Spike Lee was doing, you know, the Spike Lee thing. And, you know, I didn't really have, I guess, the experience or really the desire to uh, really work on the set. But I heard that he was doing these seminars at LIU. And he was going to have, he was, they were going to need a photographer. So I kind of pitched myself and they said, okay, go do it. We'll pay for the film. We won't pay you, but we'll pay you for the film. And I just was like the only photographer there. And I was able to just sit through, you know, weeks and weeks of these seminars with Robert De Niro and uh, Martin Scorsese and um, uh, the Hughes brothers and Debbie Allen and, you know, so that was like really, and I had a portfolio after that. So once I had the portfolio, I was able to take it around and I was able to create a free, freelance uh, photography career for myself. Um, I had a small daughter. And so I would just, you know, do parties or, and sell them to little local newspapers, magazines, remember magazine, little magazines, <laughs> selling <laughs> magazines. And then I kind of parlayed that into doing more corporate stuff back when they would hire photographers to, um, you know, if you're sponsoring an event, you know, they, and they were hiring a photographer to do that, to cover parties. And I worked with a couple of independent, um, publicity companies like GQ Media and Sapphire Communications. Um, some of these places, Uniworld, some of these places don't even exist anymore. I know Uniworld does. Uh, and that's really how I got started doing the kind of photography I do. Um, when I did mostly concert photography, it was more freelance stuff uh, for different publications like The Source, Vibe. I think I, I might have sold one to Variety at some point. Um, but that's really how I kind of got my foot in, in the door per se. Yeah. That is, that is an amazing start right off the bat. That is, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how Sancha's going to follow that up, but that is amazing. <laughs> she got, she's got her own <laughs> that was pretty impressive. <laughs> how soon after you, after your schooling, did you start? Like, did you get that gig? Excuse me? How soon after that, your college, did you get that gig? Was that right away? It was or? like the summer. Like I came home, uh, like maybe, June and then that summer I was just I mean he, but the, you have to understand the um the, the 40 acres in a mule company was literally around that corner from my grandmother's house and around the corner from where Helen and I went to high school so I was literally in the neighborhood and you know it's you know Sp everybody knew Spike Lee's making a movie Spike Lee's doing this he was always doing something and the big thing that summer was he was having a film seminar so you know shout out to Brooklyn Tech Right. So I kind of <laughs> took advantage of the opportunity and I knew people that worked there and I had I had some stuff to show from school, but I hadn't been, done anything professional up until that point. That's just amazing. I mean, that just builds an amazing portfolio right yeah. out of the gate. That is super, yeah. super cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it, I guess I guess a lot of that is about you know really you and your you got to get out there and go get it basically that mentality of all right I can shoot photos this seems like an awesome opportunity I got to go do this so it's, it's yeah. cool you know to have that perspective yeah. of like all right I'm not just going to sit here I'm going to go see if I can get into this thing yeah I was like this can't be happening right around the corner for me without me doing something you know so. that is super cool. <laughs> All right, so Sancho, how about you? What's your history with photography? Sancho. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm already messing it up. I am so sorry. I'm going to give you time. I'm going to give you time. And the, and the night's early, too. So me, um, I started in college as well. I actually went to Morgan State University, and um, I was a graphic design major. And part of the curriculum was to take that you know, intro into photography course. And I did the same thing, started shooting, you know, black and white film, um, going into the, the dark room and pulling out the chemicals, just like Karika said, and developing all the film and everything. And um, from there, I started just kind of hopping on the bus from the school and just going out into the city and downtown the Baltimore Harbor and um, just photographing people out there you know, just people watching a lot. And then I started, a lot of my friends or, um, you know, musicians or poets, and they used to do a lot of like open mics. So I would go to a lot of their venues and they would just see me with this camera and ask me like, oh, you're a photographer. And I just be like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like, I had no idea what I was doing. I would just be like, sure, I'm a photographer, yeah. So they would ask me like, if I could take photos for them for some flyers or something, or they would say they're featuring and can I come out and take pictures? So I would come with my little camera, not knowing anything about shooting photography or doing these venues and you know low light photography or anything like that. I would just go out there and just kind of be winging it. And um, you know, while I was there, there was this really cool lady that used to work at my school. And so there was this production that was being put on called Urban Underground Unplugged. And this lady, who worked there, her name was Helen, you may have heard of her. Um, so one of my friends actually worked down in the theater department and she introduced me to Helen. And as soon as I opened the door, Helen kind of saw me and she was just like, oh my God, you look like me. <laughs> that I reminded her of herself, I guess, when she was in college. And um, so she knew I was shooting photos and I was an art student and she was just kind of like, hey, I'm working on this project. And she kind of gave me a little, you know, she was like, all right, you can take a couple pictures out here. So it was like Amel LaRoe and Yazara and Bazaar. Um, who else, Helen? Bilal. Bilal, yeah. And so um, I went out and I did, I did that event kind of shadowing her a little bit. And um, I think that summer or- And I fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I think that that summer or the summer after that, she was working on a, um, on a film and she called me and she was just kind of like, hey, I'm doing this project. Like, do you want to be the still photographer for it? So I was like, okay, cool. This is like, I'm working on a movie. <laughs> so I was like so excited to do that. And um, I shot stills for this movie with her. And then it kind of turned into like a little production assistant. So I'm helping with the set and, you know, Helen taught me a lot about continuity about things and, you know, whatever they have on when they're shooting, make sure they have that on when they go to shoot the next day. And, you know, um, I learned a lot from just kind of watching her. And then I would do a lot of festivals, um, AFRAM, Artscape. I had a friend who had a band um, and he came in, he saw me just walking into the festival and I had no direction. I was just going in with my camera and he just had this press pass and he just put it around my neck and was just like, oh, mm -hmm. go do it. And I was just like, are you serious? So he just said, get on the stage, go backstage, do whatever you want. And I think that's kind of when it was just like, yeah, concerts. I like this. Right. So um, the first person that I actually photographed on stage was Shaka Khan. Oh, wow. No way. Yeah. Super cool. That's and awesome. I was just trying not to like, you know, trying to hold it together. But um, it was a lot of fun. So I think from there, I think that's where the where the bug where the bug hit me. 
it, yeah once you once you're up you know you feel the crowd you get you, you get those shots and you're like oh man this is amazing it's just yeah it's just you feel it inside you and you're like all right i want to keep doing this forever yeah and i think for me like i've always been a music lover you know my parents were listened to a lot of music i mean everything across the board and um i grew up in the the, the 80s and 90s and i was a kid who pulled out all the the magazines, you know, and, and had the posters like all over my wall, everybody. So it's crazy for me now to, I have pictures of my bedroom when I was a teenager, all the people who I had on my walls. And like, I know some of the photographers who shot the photos that I had on my wall. That's crazy. You know? And I've photographed some of the people that I had on my wall. And that's just, that's weird to me. Cause as a kid, I never would have imagined that I would have had a chance to do that. So dream come true. Absolutely. That's so cool. A dream that I, I didn't know I had, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so, awesome. So, well, so you had a great opportunity when you met Helen. I mean, obviously Helen is super talented. So being able to, you know, monitor her or have her as your sort of, uh, you know, uh, your, your mentor or whatever, yeah. that is so awesome. I mean, I want to ask Helen a bunch more other things here in a few moments about her other talents as well. But um, so, so Karika, going back to you, when did you meet Helen? I went to high school with Helen. Oh, you did. Okay, cool. Yeah. We were on the cheerleading squad together. (laughs) (laughs) There's gotta be pictures of that. I think I was like a year ago, (laughs) you know, sophomore and she was a senior and um. Like they kept saying, Helen didn't come to practice today. Helen didn't come to practice today. And I was like, who's this Helen? And we had a um, practice at um, Prospect Park. And we all outside. And I saw this girl coming in like these black V-jeans. I don't know if y'all remember V-jeans. You got to have a cute shape to wear V-jeans. <laughs> <laughs> these V-jeans. And she had like the studded belt. You know, this is the 80s. We went to high school in the 80s. So she had like the studded <laughs> belt. And I was like, who's that? And they were like, that's how I was like, I'm going to be her friend. <laughs> And we've been friends ever since. <laughs> That's that how is so cool. <laughs> so cool. And you guys share the same talent. Now, did you guys influence influence each other photography wise at all, or was that just naturally you all just happen to have photography as a as a passion? I think so. I think I might have influenced Helen a little. She was you more did, into yeah, yeah, absolutely. First started. Um, Karika, Karika, um, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say Karika. When, um, when Karika was doing photography. I was, um, she was doing it when I, I was in Purchase, right? Uh, out in BMCC and I, Kariga was already shooting because um, she went to Howard. You went to Howard right after high school, didn't you? So yeah. mm-hmm. she, went, she went to Howard straight after high school. And um, I, I remember I, I told you I went to Hampton, then I came back to New York, I went to Birmingham Community College. Kariga was already doing her thing. So by the time, like, we, like, you know, hooked up again, she was, um, was it? I saw you at Spike Lee's block party. I think. I think you were shooting you at a block party, at one of the block parties, and um, it was right on Tech's block. It was right, right there. Right, right, right. And then um, she was because Karika not only is a photographer, she's an author. So she was um, she was writing, and she had like a you know um, synopsis for you know various you know like like different screenplays she was doing, thinking about doing, and then like she. Um, she was also putting together you got memory. You got, you got yeah. Memory. No, you but you were putting together the idea of flash and circumstance at the time, right? Because um, she Karika had just shot a series, um, and she had just gotten into this book. It was this uh, famed photographer. I forget her name, but she Deb Willis. Deb Willis. Yes. So she chose a hundred of her favorite photographers, and Karika is one of the photographers that made it into her coffee table book. Wow. And um, it's a great shot. It's um, if Creek, if I'm not mistaken, it's Lauren Hill at one of the Brooklyn festivals. I have I have ten pictures in that book. You got ten book? pictures. In yeah. Is Sky in one of them? Yeah. Sky. I was going to choose that picture tonight to show you guys, but I didn't. I don't know. But it's yeah. a picture of my daughter like smiling at a Lauren Hill concert. Yes. Um, yeah. At yeah. the at the Brooklyn um, African film Af- African <laughs> Street Festival, they have a yeah. festival every year, and they always have a headliner. And Lauren Hill was the headliner that year, and I shot it for Daily News. But go ahead. And so Karika was my hero then, the way she was shooting. And um, like she said, she was doing stuff. Um, she was working uh, with, uh, you know, publicists for, um, you know, events, 
you know, performance, live performance, live music performances, but she was also working uh, with public publicity, theatrical publicity. So um, it was great because like she'd get a, um, I don't know if it's a call or a notice, or email or whatever, and they'd tell her like something was going on. And then it's like, she'd go shoot it and it would be fascinating. It'd be all these celebrities and stuff there. And then she'd come back and, you know, and she'd, you know, tell us about it. But she was, Karika was doing her thing way before. And then she joined a collective in Brooklyn and it was called She Shooting. And that was awesome because it was um, uh, black female photographers and they had a gallery exhibit um, basically, you know, with photos from those particular photographers in the collective. And um, so that was really cool. So I was all, I always kept up with Karika with what she was doing because um, I love the way she shoots as well. So I was basically like, um, and then, you know, we're friends. So the, the other stuff- Alan, well, you were in the film and arts world too, you know? Yeah, no, 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 I know, but I'm just saying outside mm -hmm. of the stuff I do, because when you do it, you, like when I'm working, you know, it's work and stuff, but then when you have friends that do it, you get to admire it. It's right. totally, it's, mm -hmm. it's different, you know? Right. It's like, so you right. shoot. So you and Sandra were my two photographers, yeah. friends, you know what I mean? Like. So I get to admire well, your you always, work. Well, you always encourage me because I would be like, this is, and you'd be like, no, Karika, this is a dope ass shot. This is a dope ass shot. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Really? Okay. I'll take the word for it. And I'm never wrong, right? Karika, you know, it's, it's the, it's, it's the thing because I think when you look at it like all the time, you know what I'm saying? But then when your friend comes in, and it's a, you know, I'm not going to lie to my friends, you know, so it's a perspective. So we get to have these conversations and then they're fresh. They're fresh conversations about, you know, how, you know, to do stuff. So Karika, I always attribute um, Karika for inspiring me in terms of photography. And then she came to California and she was trying to think of, you know, she wanted to get some new photos and she wanted to try to figure out what she's going to do. I remember those days coming to California. <laughs> I, was, I was so honored because Karika came to uh, California and I shot her. So when you shoot your friend who's a photographer, one, there's a lot of pressure because we'll be like, she's going to be like, what like my angle is this? And then on the <laughs> other hand, if they love it, you go, oh my God, okay. No. I like being behind the camera. So I felt comfortable being in front of the camera with you behind the camera. Right, right. Because this is an you know extension. I mean? you know? So yeah, so we we did, you know, we had those type of moments and we came away with, you know, like some great shots, you know, as well. And then with Sancha, it, Sancha was the one who, when I was in Morgan, so I was working down in Baltimore, I'd see Sancha, you know, her artwork was crazy. I was like, this girl is so sick with no. a pencil you know, to be able to do that. And then she's sculpting, you know, and I was like, what? So, you know, yeah, I was working as the assistant event coordinator. And, um, but I was also head of wardrobe, you know, cause they had the acting department. So I was wardrobe. So you got to interact with the art students and the acting and students and the kids a lot. And, and um, but Sancha was one I had to pull up because I was like, whoa, this girl, you know, she had the drive. Like she was the type of girl where, you know, when I call Sancha, I'd be like, yo, there's a gig, blah, blah, blah. She'd be like, okay, okay. That's how you gotta be. Okay, that's it. <laughs> she never, <laughs> never, like, it wouldn't even be like, well, I'm not sure. Sancha would be there, hell or high water. And this is before she had a call. Like, she was yeah. just like, <laughs> what? I, you, remember, she was, Sancha so she, I'd be like, did you walk here? Like, she, I made it happen, you know? and. I told her I was going to tell this story, so I'm, I hope I don't embarrass her, but I'm going to tell it. So uh -huh. I used to be, because, you know, when you're a freelance, you get your hustle on. So, you know, one of I always be like a thousand lives. So one of my lives, I was an artist handler. So the Lyric Opera House in Baltimore used to have like live minute music performances. And so I'd be the artist handler. So like, let's say cameo perform, <laughs> you know, you handle Larry Blackman and the cod piece, you know, um, <laughs> I'm a cameo. <laughs> um, Cisco, you know, he performed, um, what's his Tamiya. name? Uh, yeah, Tamiya, um, and Mint Condition. So, Mint Condition. So, you know, Sancha called Sancha there and she had her camera and I will never forget, I always say, Sancha was a whiz at getting on the stage and not being seen, but she was like, it was like she was a female spider woman. Wow. There, I, I told her, I said, I, 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 
I think I have a shot of her, but I'm not sure. But I definitely remember her on the side. Like I was in the house, so she's house right, no house left. She's crawling up the side of the, you know, the the PA system, you know, for the theater. They have it like in the front, you know, the music performances. She's snaking in and out of the PA system on the stage, like legs hanging, belly core, you know, just like trying to get the shot not to be in anybody's way. This girl was so gangster with her camera. I was like, that right there, you, you can't even deny it. Like she was... In it, she had that camera in Stokely's face like he didn't even know it. You know, okay. she was so good. So I remember with Sancha, I would just be like, you know what, I got this gig on a caller, and she always, you know, we did the Women's March in D.C. because um, Black Girls Rock founder Beverly Bond is a friend of mine, and she'll call me and be like, uh, Helen, you know, she was like, um, we're going to D.C. You want to shoot? And I said, uh, Yep, Sancha, because Sancha lived in Virginia. And I said, I'm going to DC to shoot uh, the Women's March. And this was 2017 in January. I said, you want to shoot? And she was like, yep. Sancha was there. She met me. She had her camera. Ooh, and it's cold that day. We were on the stage. We were on, we were on. This, was the, this was the, the, the Women's March in 2018? 2017 with the Pink Hats. And uh, when they had like the huge performance, and it was like everybody from Alicia Madonna Keys, Madonna, to Maxwell, Hendrix, uh, it was uh, Janelle Monet, uh, yeah. yeah, everybody was, yeah. And Bev was the DJ. And mm. then they had like the, the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, women that like it was just starting, and Mothers it, of the Movement. Huge. It was just a sea of, you know, pink hats and then it was the march on washington so we were there in the streets and it was like the riots and it, it was amazing because as a photographer um as a civilian you might be like okay this is a little crazy but as a photographer you were in a candy store right it, it was amazing remember michael moore was there then they had the signs and they had the helicopters circling i mean um we came away with some history making photos. Like when you go, I guess like even the civil rights movement and when you see the pictures, I don't know about too many people, but when I see all those photos from like historic times and like when they're in the street in mm -hmm. it, I always, I think about the struggle of the people and I'd be like, damn, you know, uh, people getting it in, you know, they want to be heard, of course. Mm -hmm. But I also slipped to, damn, I wish I was a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you see yeah. the shots and you're like, oh, look at this shot. You know what I mean? To know that, you know, that famous shot where they have like, um, I think it's like the cops and the German shepherds and the, and the hoses and they're hosing down, you know, some kids and they have, they're holding the German shepherd. The photographers are fearless because they don't move. They get that shot. Anything can happen when you see those, um, you know, the riot shots and, you know, people are just in it. But then you've got this um bipartisan not a part of anything except there to document the history of mm -hmm. what's happening type of person with this lens and then you know that's where i get like kind of envious where i'm like oh you know it, it's like even now it's like you know COVID's happening and i see some shots when i'm watching the news and like when it was like the the marches and stuff because you know i'm in california so you know it's not New York, it's not Chicago. So and you have a, a new baby. You know, and I'm in Southern Orange County. So I'm basically going to march my tail down to nowhere and come home. There's nothing happening <laughs> here. But to see the shots that photographers were able to get of those history making moments in the streets, you know, even in DC, mm -hmm. you know, when that, that shot of um, when they first showed Black Lives Matter in DC along the boulevard. And you see it, and I just said to myself, who took that picture? Mm. Like, it had just went up. The mayor said, yeah, okay, you can paint street. And it went up. I always go, who takes those pictures? Like, or Getty Images or, you know, Associated Press, when you see AP behind the person's name, yeah. I'm always like, oh, that's awesome. You know, I think I'm more in love with uh, the history making shots and getting the people and in the moment and the passion of the moment, mm -hmm. even of course, more so than performance or anything, because th that's, that's documentation of our lives, you know? Mm -hmm. So Sancha was there with me. 
and that. And um, I just, by the time, you know, everything happens and life moves on or whatever, and you call me, go, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, Karika and I, you know, we're talking with my agent. We're trying to figure out Brooklyn because we want to do this love letter to Brooklyn, but then COVID hit. So we still got that in the works. We're trying to, you know, figure that out. Between Karika and Sancha, they're my um, my sounding boards and my my artisan uh, soulmates, you know, in terms of I just feel always connected to them because of this thing they do and because, you know, I came in after them doing it. Like they said, they went to school. They were in their dark room. Another thing that we all have in common, I, I just kind of realized this. I guess I always knew it. But it's like, you know, Sancha, you know, you also sketch. You also have, and Helen does, you know, she's the most talented seamstress and, you know, so, and, you know, she can sew and she 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 can tell you her talents. And, you know, I, I write also in addition to taking pictures. I think that we bring that creative aesthetic to behind the camera, to, you know, mm -hmm. because I think the person taking the picture kind of affects the picture to me. Yeah. Um, I don't believe that anybody can take a great picture. I mean, yeah, you know, maybe if you have the right um, um, opportunity, but I, you also have to have a creative eye. A creative aesthetic. That's my that's my belief. And yeah. I agree. When 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 you're when you're an artist, you know, and I I, I guess I'll say I can sort of relate when you, yeah. when you have other talent besides the photography that art talent, it really helps with your composition of your shots and stuff. Definitely. Like that. That's what I was Absolutely. Composition, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> tell us tell us about some of the, so some of your writings. What what's what uh what, what uh, a little bit more information about that. Um, well, I, I, a lot of times I used to accompany my photos with stories because I would just make more money if it was like, you know, Perfect. Yeah. Ice Magazine wants a picture of, you know, Maxwell's concert. I might as well write, they're going to write, they're going to pay her a hundred dollars. I might as well write the art. I was there. So, <laughs> um, I, so I used to do a lot of articles um, uh, entertainment wise. And then I started doing uh, relationship articles and I did an article called He's Going Your Back for a small magazine for black women called Bell Magazine, for full-figured black women, Bell, get it? Yeah. <laughs> Bell. <laughs> anyway, and so um, I was invited to be on Bob Law. I don't know if you guys know Bob Law. He, was a, he had a radio show in New York. He's more political-minded, and he, they, I was invited to be on his show. Um, I think it was like on NPR or one of those stations. Okay. And, and was just talking about relationships and stuff. And I realized I got so many calls in back when people would call in to the radio station. <laughs> um, and people would call in and I was like, wow, this is a really interesting topic. So I started working on a book and I ended up selling the book um, to Kensington in 2010. Um, it's called He's Going Your Back, The Right Way to Get Over Mr. Wong. So far, I'm, that's my only book that I have had published, but that, you know, I'm still working on more. So, but that's my, you know, story. And yeah, I, I also, I also uh, you know, co um, contribute to a lot of other publications and stuff like that. And I'm a member of the Rhode Island Writers Colony, where we go away every year and we just like, write, And we just hunker down and write. And we have some pretty well-known um, alumni coming from the adjacent, what's his name, Jason? I can't remember it off the right type of my head because I call him Jason all the time. And um, another girl, uh, Elizabeth Arecibo, I can't remember. I can't remember people's names. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I, I try to surround myself with, with community-minded people, you know, um, whether what, it be photography or writing. So, and hopefully I want to do, I'm, try, I'm working on a book called Flash and Circumstance, how I got that shot, where I'm basically going to be, hey, talking about, you know, basically what we're talking about tonight, really... Um, some of the stories behind some of the pictures that I've taken over the years. When it, when it comes to your writing, Hey Jackson, <laughs> when it comes to your writing and stuff like that, how, so do you have a method? Do you like, like say, all right, I'm going to block off time and do writing or is it just, it's in your brain. It's just dying to come out. What's your, what's your method? Um, for that? I, I block off time. Um, I also carry, I always have a, a little notebook with me by my bed, just anywhere, or, or my phone. I'm always taking notes, but I have to say, I have, the, only, the only way I can really be productive, because um, I have written three screenplays and four books. I just only have one published so oh, wow. far. But um, I have to say, 
you know, especially like to my husband, I'm like, okay, I'm writing today from 12 to six. Cause you have to, those people will call you or, yeah. you know, <laughs> the mailman and the Amazon and you have to, you have to block out. I have to block out time. Everybody else has a different process. But when I have something that I want to get done, I have to set aside time during my day. So. Do you get like writer's block sense. or anything like that? How do you, how do you work around um, that? I don't know if I call it writer's block, but I'll just be tired or something and or just uh, and just I have to come back to it sometimes yeah. or I'm, I guess I'm stuck and I don't know what else to say, but I don't really like to call it block because, you know, I'm a Pisces, so I believe in flow, you know, Me so if it's just not flowing. It's just not flowing. But, you know, as I get older, I realize that um, you, even if it's not flowing, you still it'll flow if you sit down and make it flow or wait for the flow. But you have to kind of usher the flow in. You can't. Hey, I, I think any artist will struggle with like like Jason calls them blocks. I think even as photographers, we sometimes struggle with that. There'll be months I'll go on. I need to photograph something and I don't know what or can't quite get what I want. to. I know what's in my head, but I just can't get out and do it. Right. You know what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. You got to think about it. It has to inspire you and you then say, okay, there it is. Right. Yeah. But you have to kind of look for it, you know? Yeah. And also I think, um, you know, the the wiser you get, the more you know that it's going to come around again. So you don't really panic. You know what I mean? Correct. You know it's going to come because you know yourself. So you know it's going to come around again. Do you set like a page number or anything for you for like, you know, today I'm going to try to get like 10 pages or anything? No, No. unless I'm on a deadline or something and I'm like, you know, I have to finish this and I have to have, you know, I only have 20 pages and I know I need to submit, you know, 30 pages or whatever, but not really. I don't put that kind of pressure on myself. You know, I really, um, it might be a scene or it might be a chapter, you know, I know how I want this chapter to go, and I know I want to. I know what I want to say here today. Um, sometimes it could be something that I think about while I'm sleeping, and I write down a sentence, and I go, "Okay, I'm going to expound on this sentence in this sit down session." So work more intuitively, intuitive, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've written three screenplays. Can you can you give any a synopsis of any of those? Um, well, the first one I wrote was called Dada. Like, um, my sister's name was Ki Dada. Ki Dada means little sister, and Dada means sister. But Dada is also um, an art form, Dadaism. Okay. So, um, that was the very first screenplay I wrote. And it was really about a girl falls in love um, from the guy from the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, I don't, and she was a dancer or something. I still have that screenplay. Um, and then, uh, what did I, most recently I wrote one um, called, about a photographer. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of like a spin on an old Cary Grant movie where like the guy um, tells, tells everybody that he's a bachelor because he doesn't want to settle down, but he meets this sassy, beautiful photographer. I remember that one, that was, that's a great screenplay. It's like a romantic comedy. That's the one that really- We were like, Brad Pitt needs to play. Remember Brad Pitt was- Yeah, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, whoever, <laughs> I don't care. But um, <laughs> in the movie, it was Cary Grant and like Ingrid Bergman, whatever. Right, she, right. Was a, uh, she was an actress. Right. Like the bachelor. And he told, he would lie and say he's married because if you think I'm married, you won't put pressure on me to marry you. But of course, in true romantic comedy form, the wonderful, (laughs) the woman changes the bachelor's mind. Anyway, so that's about two or two of the other one. What's the other one? I don't want to give away all my secrets. You don't have to. No, I just (laughs) want to go. So, so. Now that uh, with COVID this year, has that improved your writing or has that sort of slowed Definitely. down your writing? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, this time last year, I was working in Manhattan. I had a, a receptionist job, you know, you got to pay the bills, you know what I mean? And I would, I would be writing and, you know, it would be, it was very convenient though, because I was in the city, I could still freelance, I could still do what I wanted to do, but it was a little stressful, you know what I mean? So now... I'm just chilling and I'm just writing and that's it. You know, thank you, honey. My husband is inside. <laughs> it's like, we, you know, you know what I mean? So it's cool. Oh, excellent. Good. Excellent. Good. That's cool. So let's move over back to Sancha. Yes. Is that right? 
Did I get you it? Did. All right, cool. Thanks. <laughs> so let's talk about some of your other. So you have you, you're an artist and a sculptor. I heard as well. Yeah. Uh, you want? Can you talk about some of those things? So it's. I think for me, I've always been uh, creative. I was a creative kid. You know, I was always drawing and. I used to write poetry. Um, my parents were in the military. And um, so we lived out in Vegas for a little while. And um, I remember in school, I used to write little short stories and write poetry all the time. And one of my teachers sent me this, um, it, it was called a SNWP, a Southern Nevada Writers Project. And they sent me to like UNLV for the summer to just kind of write with them. And um, I just kind of started doing like short stories and that turned into poetry and that turned into, I think I want to write music, you know? So I had asked my mom to like, um, ask her to buy me a keyboard and I played in a band, you know, but I didn't know how to like, I wasn't a singer. I didn't know how to write music really. So. Was this like (laughs) back in school when you played in the band? This was, was, yeah. in um, in middle school and high school. And then, um, so what I would do is like a lot of the, the poetry and stuff that I would write, I would kind of like hear it as music, but I didn't know how to get it out. So I would try to play things by ear, you know, thumbing around on the keyboard with it. And then I had like, you remember the the like six disc, I don't know, five disc changer things. So I had that in like two boom boxes. And so I would kind of play a little bit and record it on one and like switch yep. the tapes back and forth until I could get it all out. Yep. Um, so I would do that. And then it just turned into, you know, just still writing, writing poetry, drawing, um, sculpting. I started doing that when I got to college because again, it was just part of the curriculum. And um, so I took this um, class, 3D, 3D design. And oh, cool. I remember one of my teachers was just like, okay, so everybody had one project that they were working on, but they ran out of the material. So he was kind of like, there's a pile of two by fours and a jigsaw and some glue uh, like wood glue, like make something out of it. So I'm like, all right. So I put on my goggles and my gloves and everything. And I made like this, hell, I mean, probably saw it. It's like this seven foot wooden sculpture that I like just carved out of like two by fours and stuff. So I kind of had a lot of fun with that sculpture was, it was kind of therapeutic, you know? Um, I think for me, my favorite part about it was doing like the carvings though. So I would use the plaster and just kind of carve away from it and just kind of make little abstract things with that. I actually just bought some recently because I'm like, well, I'm not shooting. So you know. got to Google um, James Giddens, James Giddens. He was a, he was a Harlem based um, sculptor and he had the, um, the um, he had a sculpture theater in Harlem. James Giddens? James Giddens, G-I-T-T-E-N-S. I hope they have some of his stuff anyway. Okay, but I'll check it out. You'll love his stuff. Um, really so I, I started doing that. And um, so my my thing right now is trying to get back into the, the fine art, into drawing and painting everything. Painting was not something that I did well. And it terrifies me, actually. So um. I just what? bought a bunch of paint and some canvases and everything. And I have like some picture that I took of from um, the window of an airplane of a sunset. And so I was like, I'm going to paint that. And Bob Ross makes it look real easy. Right. So <laughs> um, it's not going the way that I planned, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to stick with it. So well, I, um, at least you're doing it with it. What, what was it? Eleanor, Eleanor Roosevelt said, you must do the thing that you're afraid that, that I'm scared of. Yeah. It's, it's hard because I've been doing, I've been doing photography for so long now and you know, I haven't drawn anything. It's just kind of like I picked up the camera. I put down the pencil, the, the graphite, the yeah. charcoal, all of that. Yeah. And so trying to kind of switch the way, like, when I'm shooting photos, it's, it's different. It's kind of like something is happening right in front of me. And my job is to capture that moment or, you know, tell the story. And then when I'm picking up a pencil, it's just kind of like, I'm trying to take something out of my head and put this down on, on paper. Mm-hmm. And it never comes out the way that you see it in your head. Right. You know? And I was um, never good at Pictionary myself. Yeah. <laughs> and so that part, that part's like really frustrating. And, and I kind of challenge myself, um, you know, my sister and I have been talking a lot about like psychology and stuff lately. And um, there is a artist who 
was talking about how he was writing some songs and he he wrote everything. I guess his dominant hand may have been his right hand, but he wrote everything with his left hand because it forced him to not have any expectations, right? So with your dominant hand, you know what you're capable of. Wow. You know? And so I was just like, and and I guess it's supposed to kind of revert you to this kind of childlike state where you're just free to do it because you're not judging the work. So I challenge myself to paint with my left hand so that I already know that I'm afraid of it. You know what I mean? Mm So, and I don't want to have these expectations of I know what my right hand can do when I use a pencil or whatever. So if I try with my left hand, I don't expect anything. So I'm just freer to just do it and not judge the work. So that's what I've been kind of trying to work on and you know, it's happening with that, you know, one one of the things I, you know, I realized for myself is a a very similar thing was I envision a a thing and I want to create that thing, whether it be music related or or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, digital art or something like that. And I find that I'm not recreating the thing I want. I'm actually creating my style of that thing. So being like you, you know, I'll, I'll, go in there and I'll either write a song. I I have a very specific vision of a song I want to write. And when I end up playing and all this stuff, it's very, very different from what I wanted it to be. And so I I certainly can relate to that perspective of me kind of getting frustrated of, all right, this is not what I wanted, but this is what my body's giving me Mm -hmm. sort of that's my own style and stuff like that. So I certainly can relate to that as well in in other means. I'm just trying to push through it. And, um, you know, it's crazy. Like when I left school, when I, when I graduated, right after I graduated, I started working for an IT company and I was there for like eight years and I was a receptionist for two years. And then I was a um, executive admin assistant for one of the VPs. And then every day I would go into work and all I would think about is what I wanted to do when I got home. Right. <laughs> so I'm there and all I'm thinking about is I'd rather be shooting photos. I wish I could be shooting this picture. Or I have this this idea for this drawing or a sculpture or a collage, or there was always something else that I wanted to be doing. And all I wanted was time. I can so here's COVID. Yeah, yeah, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. Right? And then it's just kind of like, all I've been asking for, for all these years was time. And now the time is here. And I'm kind of fighting against having it. You know, it's just kind of <laughs> like, I want to be outside. I want to be working. I want to be... And it's just like, this is the time that I've been asking for. So I've been trying to really, it took me a long time to get to this point to say that, all right, just go buy the canvas, just go buy the paint and just go do it. Yeah. You know, So it, it's been, it's been rough, but I finally got to the point where I said, this is the time you've been asking for. This is when you should be creating something. So I'm hoping that something beautiful comes out of it, you know? Um, I'm sure it will. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, just, I'm sure we'll talk more about your photos and your art in, in a few moments, but uh, your website, uh, you have some, I believe some of your artwork up on your website. Um, that looks amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. It looks really, really cool. Um, so let's, uh, let's jump over to Helen real quick. If, if you're all right, I, I see someone peeking every so often behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one of the things we didn't get to talk about and I actually just emailed you earlier, uh, is some of your, um, 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 your hats and stuff like that you, that you have, uh, can you kind of give us a little history around some of that stuff? Oh, the crochet. Yeah. Um, easy. It was, you know, um, I started, cro- <laughs> <laughs> I started crocheting when I was about, um, seven really. And, um, a friend, you know, taught me and it was pretty cool. She um, uh, lived across the street and I, I, I went to the same school as they did. So um, she, uh, her name was Dawn Stewart and she was like 13. And I remember, you know, so she taught me how to crochet and- Hello. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I got to start upstairs too. That's West Love from the Roots. Oh wow! Post this picture today. Oh wow, that's so her, her hat. I'm rocking a hat and a sweater. I made that sweater too. I'm gonna email this to you. One of your scarves. Oh, One of your scarves upstairs. Oh, that's so. Uh, thank you. Wow. So, yeah. So that was it. Everything you know. Synchronicity is real because 
-hmm. it all came together when it was supposed to because um when i started crocheting again for real it was basically during the period of um you know um so for hip-hop you know I listen, I'm, I'm a hip hop girl, you know, I'm soul and R&B and, you know, all of that. I'm, I'm you know, and then rock and roll, about, you know, because <laughs> I'm, 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 I was born, you know, in 67. So when I, by 77, can you imagine being, you know, 10 years old and, and, and preteen in the 70s and, you know, all of that music flowing and, in and then, Brooklyn. you know, we went to high school, you know, me and Karika, we went to high school in the 80s. So when Pretty and Pink came out and when Molly Ringwald was trying to figure out, you know, who she was going to spend her birthday with, you know, <laughs> Michael Shaw and Jake Ryan <laughs> from 16 Candles, we were in high school. So what a beautiful time to experience, you know, that type of music and all of that stuff coming out. But at the same time, there, time, there was a revolution happening in the, you know, the, the mid to late seventies and that was hip hop. And so that, you know, and then we we're in Brooklyn. So New York, we were experiencing music coming at us from every angle, you know, all of it was absolutely amazing, you know. So you had, of course, you know, your rock from the 80s was crazy and you got your funk from the 70s and you got your, you know, your R&B, the 80s and, but the hip hop that was coming out, like I remember where I was the first time I heard Run DMC, Suck It um, MC and, you know, Walk This Way and then, uh, you know, Curtis Blow, Christmas Rapping, you know, all of that stuff. And when you had to, if you liked the record, you had to go to the record store and buy it. You know what I mean? So we came up during those times. So by the time um, the late 90s came around and I was done with purchase and everything, I had kind of stopped crocheting, but um, hip hop music had started to take on a new leg. And, you know, it was pretty much like when the earthiness of Erica Badu came out and India RE and they, you know, they brought their sisterhood to it. And then, you know, when the brothers came out and they were rhyming about, you know, um, you know, education and they were battling with their minds and you know and raucous came out and then uh you know it's pharaoh monch and most stuff and quality and common and you know you got this warmth in hip-hop because then the lauren hills you know lauren hill and the fujis you know they took that r&b that we grew up with and they merged it into this hip-hop and so it was this perfect hybrid but the clothes and the style began to reflect that as well. And so, you know, that's when brothers and sisters really started growing their locks. You know, it went from having like the small ones to people going, I think I'm gonna grow my hair, you know? And that turns into a fashion statement because um, then it was like, well, what do I wear on my hair? And I remember um, a lot of uh, my friends and, and brothers and sisters that I knew who had locks that were coming out long their main complaint was, I can't find anything fly to wear on my head outside of a sack. You know, like, you know, in Jamaica, you know, you just take and you put the locks in a sack, you know? And I, you know, had locks as well. And it was like, yeah. And, you know, one of my friends was like, you should start crocheting. I bet you could kill it. And I was like, yeah, I could kill it. <laughs> and, <she laughs> and so I, you know, was like, what if, you know, the crochet, you know, who says crochet hats can't be fly? And so my idea of fly, you know, cause I'm from Brooklyn. So I'm probably going to be 90 years old calling something dope. You know, <laughs> so that's my superlative. Everyone knows what it means, you know, but I was like, how come crochet hats can't be dope? And then I'm a costume designer. And so my mind is flying around all of these, you know, styles and what stuff should look like. And then I just started I guess it's what Sancha said, you know, it goes from, but unlike the photography where it's right in front of you and you just capture it, you have this process that has to happen. And Karika knows this as a writer, it's all up here and it's perfect. <laughs> you know, you're like, if you could see what I saw, award yeah. after award after award. <laughs> But it's the genius. I'm a genius. <laughs> I know. I'm a genius. I'm brilliant. I'm brilliant. I'm brilliant. <laughs> but now I got to get it out. You know. So once you get it out, if it even remotely resembles what you had in your head, and someone goes, "Oh my goodness," that's already like full. That's fuel to push forward. And so I started making these hats, and it. It went really well to the point that, you know, Karika, God bless her. You know, I love having these friends. I'm going to tell you this, Sancha, Karika, and then, you know, we got a host of girlfriends and stuff. 
we're like, like, like we're these are the sister girls, you know, because they have your back whether you're in the room or not. And like one thing Karika did where I'll never forget, she rolled up on Common. Remember you caught her? Yeah. <laughs> she caught Common in Brooklyn on a city street. And what did you do? You walked up to him and you were like, who made your hat? <laughs> I said, you need to wear my friend's hat. You, you know, because yeah. he, he was. I think he was always kind of wearing hats. That was like his thing. He always wore the crochet hat, yeah. And I was like, you need to, and his was like linty or like, I'm like, you're a good looking guy. You're going to come up. Cause this was before he was even acting. He was really, yeah, yeah, really yeah. just a rapper. Yeah. And you know, I just dropped your name. And then you guys, and did I give him your card or did you end up meeting him independently? Oh, it was a small world because um, right. she, she went up to Common and she was like, you need to rock my homegirl's hats. But at the time, that's when I told you guys I was freelancing, um, kind of like hanging out at Rockets and I was answering phones and doing all types of stuff. Common was friends with Most Def and Talib Kweli. So he would, and he had just moved to Brooklyn. So he was coming up to um, Raucous Records in the village and right. he was hanging out. And then like, I think it happened, like he was like, wait, your name is Helen, do you crochet? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he was like, yo, one of your friends came up to me on the street and he was like, I think her name, did, did you give him your name? I don't know. I maybe well, anyway, somehow we found out it, you know that happened. But anyway, he and I became cool and I told him I said, "Yeah, I do crochet." And he was doing something for BET, I think. And he was like, "Yo, I need, you know, I need a hat because he would always that was his signature, the the, the the custom hat. He always wore like the cool hat." I said, "I can make you something." And I made him a hat. And I remember he came back and was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna need about 15 more of those. Mm -hmm, so nice. I remember I just made, you know, a ton of hats for him. And then, you know, took them to him and we got in the cab. I was like, we gotta go to the ATM because we got- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have pictures of him. He wore the night that um, SOB's clothes, was it SOB? Right. Oh no, Tramp's clothes. Tramp's clothes. And Top Core Quest performed and, and Leonardo yes. DiCaprio was in the audience remember yes and Questlove I'm not quite was it Questlove Questlove was the DJ I think he was Questlove the DJ and um, like the whole audience Black Eyed Peas performed um Buster Rhymes was there Buster Rhymes was there but he and had a Tommy hat on your hat yes yes and that was actually remember um I got on the stage real quick remember I got on stage and like um I did like a quick like MC bit, like I think so. Like real quick, uh, somebody was late. They were like, "Helen, get up here." <laughs> I think I might have been late because I might have missed that because I would take pictures of that. But they, um, but yeah, we had like the whole uh thing where people would come to me and just be like, "Um, I need a hat," and I, my thing was, um, I custom made it. I would redo a style a thousand times. I never redo the same color scheme. So every hat's an original. So you can get, like I had style names for the hat, so you could get a Mexican Eagle, but if you got the Mexican Eagle and it was burgundy with like a, you know, navy brim and, you know, I've never made the same hat. So that made it really cool. So people would come to me and show me their coats or show me some boots and be like, I got these boots, I need something to match it. And that's really how it kind of took off. But then because I was working in, in film and TV and stuff, uh, someone, you know, would be like, oh, the stylist needs this. And then um, there was, remember Degrassi Junior High? The show, Degrassi, Degrassi Junior Degrassi. High? TV yeah. show? The, the TV show. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a call from the costume designer and I made, um, I made a hat for one of the characters on there. And then there was this movie that came out with Lisa Kudrow <laughs> and Damon Wayans. Remember that? It was a comedy. Oh. It was With so who? bad. It was so bad. It was good. It was like um, Lisa, Lisa Kudrow and Damon Wayne. Man, you know what's the? I gotta see that tonight. What <laughs> was that like in the nineties? Watching that tonight. Yeah. Tonight. In the nineties, like wait, it was it was in the nineties, and Lisa Kudrow plays this Jewish American princess, and her father oh, owns no. this hip hop company, mm -hmm. and Damon Wayans is the star hip hop mm -hmm. artist. And of course, like a Romeo Juliet thing. <laughs> I'm not doing it. There's, there's a scene where she attends like 
the American Music Awards and she's trying to like get his attention and she wears this Kenton I remember that. I remember that. dress with this Erica Badu. No! Oh, head wrap. <laughs> I made the head wrap. <laughs> so I started getting calls for like stuff where um, Marcy X, that's the Marcy name. X. Oh, I remember the name of it. Yeah, I remember that Marcy name. Marcy X, and as a matter of fact, that head wrap made it onto like a box. Cause you know, back in the day it was a DVD, you turn it over, <laughs> but I would get calls because of the headgear, you know, to make other stuff. So once again, the artistry just goes and forms, but the hats took off. Macy Gray ended up getting five. I took, I gave one to John Stamos. I gave a hat to uh, Justin Timberlake. I gave, wow. uh, who else got hats? Uh, hmm. Quite a few people. I remember Music Soul Child when he was doing his thing. Um, I sent him a hat. And I was. I have uh, a picture of him in one of your hats too. I gotta send that. I gotta find that. I was on a train and I was reading uh, Honey magazine, and I look and he's sitting in a chair with Shaka Khan, and I screamed on the train because he's rocking one of my hats, and I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so, that is so yeah, cool. no, it's crazy. So I'm about to actually jump off the crochet again. I've got some really, really cool stuff, and it's it's cool stuff. If you are you know, in a position where, you know, you just like to, I, I try and make it the personality. So whoever you are, you know, it's not for the timid. It's very, you know, I can make like something that's plain or regular, but it's really for people. Normally, if you, if you rock one of my hats, I'll be honest, someone's going to come up to you and be like, that's a nice hat. You know? I'll take one, please. I'll, I'll take, you know. <laughs> hey, when, when you coming? <laughs> that's what you want. You want, you, you, want, you want them to be like, that, that's nice. <laughs> it's cold up there in New Hampshire, right? Yeah, so yeah, it's it, cold. I got a bald spark going. I made one for Regis Philbin. He put it on on the air. Kelly, what's the name? Kelly, maybe Kelly Ripa. Ripa. Oh, yeah. Kelly Ripa, yeah. Kelly Ripa, yeah. yeah so, yeah. It, you know, getting into the celebrities and stuff is cool, but to be honest with you, the, the reward is when, you know, you get it like to your friends and family and they go like, oh, this is amazing. One of my friends had some somebody, you know, robbed his hat. They He was at work. He put it in his locker, and he said they left his wallet and took his hat. Oh shit! And I, so when he told me, time on, he was like, time on. He was like, oh. they took his hat. and um, I said they left your wallet and took your hat. And I gotta be honest, I was, you know, I was touched. Right. I was like, that, that's, you know, that's bad you news. Money. You didn't have any money in the wallet? I'm just like, <laughs> no, but I was like, that's bad news for you, but that's good news for me. As a, as a <laughs> somebody left your wallet, took the hat. But yeah, so you know, it all kind of mends together. It's all artistry. So, and are you still actively selling those now? Um, yeah, I'm about to about to knock it out. You know, every time I get ready to go in the room and pick up a needle, I, you know, I just hear mama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's let's go back and talk about music for a little bit. Now, I think. If I remember correctly, Helen, you had written some songs in the past. And I also seem to remember something about a bass, playing bass as well. <laughs> and you were going to practice before this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something about that. I think uh, I heard her say that too. Yeah, you yeah. know what? I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> musically, all three. Now, all, are all three of you still actively doing music or anything to that? <laughs> <laughs> no, those are those days are long gone. Poetry. I'm an active poetry. listener to I'm music because I gotta hit it with this. You know, these people. Yeah, so I, I, mean, still not, I have no music inclinations. I, I can sing in the shower, <laughs> but I'm not. A, I'm not. I've never been a musician. Pick a song, we'll listen. No. Go ahead. No, I still, I still have my little, you know, my little flute in the box back there, and <laughs> the, flute. Um, the keyboard I passed on to my niece and. That's about it. I listen. Um, I don't really write anymore either, but I, I'm I listen to a lot of music. Like, you know, my date isn't complete without that really. But um, but no, I don't play at all at all anymore. I probably could I could probably still read the music and play like all well, the stuff back. Right. I'm no Lizzo. Like Ooh, I'm not <laughs> I'm not that nice with it. But um yeah. I can't I can't even whistle. <laughs> I can I can whistle, but that's about as far as it goes now. 
Hey, thanks for watching part one of our interview with Helen, Karika, and Sancha. We hope you enjoyed it. Part two will be coming soon. Check out our other guests on our YouTube page and on talesfromthepit.net. Until then, we'll see you soon.